Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. We've gotta be the body to rock it like we're never gonna see it again We are exploding, the world is gonna know it We'll rock it like you're never gonna see us again Come on Joe Buccino, the great, the man, the myth, the legend, the fool, emphasis on the fool part, 
turned uh, 45, I believe. It was his birthday, and I com- I didn't forget about it last week, but since it was closer to the end of the week and closer to this episode, I just figured that we would mention it here. So a belated birthday to the one and only Just Business, Joe Buccino, the, the greatest uh, co-host that I've ever had and the greatest tag team partner that I've ever had in any form of life. So I just wanted to uh, throw that out there. You talk about old, sir. You've got me by a good 10 years because I'm getting ready to turn 35 uh, in about three months, which is another side note. You know, I, I realize this. Uh, I mean, I, I know this. I'm, I'm a big numbers guy, even though I hate math, which makes no sense, but I think it comes from uh, sports and whatnot. You know, I'm turning 35 this year. My dad is actually turning 70 um, in May, which is less than two months from now. But the interesting thing, it just kind of dawned on me, he was my age when I was born. You know, he, he is exactly twice my age, and this will be the only time in my life where my dad and I will be like a, a you know, kind of like a multiplication of each each other's birthday, you know, me being half of his and, you know, the same number but just, you know, doubled or, or cut in half, you know. So he's literally double my age and I'm half his age, and I just thought that was interesting because, you know, one of those things I want to throw out there, so I'm going to wish my dad a happy birthday two months in advance. And of course, wish myself a happy birthday uh, three months in advance. But, um, sir, uh, yeah, enough dude. of that talk. Yeah, you sound yeah, like a politician. You sound like a politician. Oh, please. <laughs> I, you know, I tell you, I love politics. I'm a big po- political guy. You know, it's all I talk about 24 7, 365. Even though I find myself on Twitter tweeting all the time how I think it's ridiculous that people, all they do is talk politics and seem like they have nothing better to do with their lives. But speaking of politics, and, you know, you mentioned that already, uh, we're going to be joined by, uh, you know, a special guest this evening. Her name is Michelle. Uh, she and I follow each other on Twitter, you know, for, for years now. And I know she's a big sports fan, but today we're going to try to focus on the political stuff. And, hell, we could even talk about Peyton Manning and whatnot, you know, at the end of it. But, Michelle, thank you so much for joining us this evening. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing okay. Thanks for having me. No, thank you so much for calling. And, you know, the the reason that I wanted specifically to have you on the show is because, you know, again, I follow you on Twitter. We tweet back and forth and whatnot. And I noticed that you were, for a while there, someone who was supporting Donald Trump. And, you know, I, I this is this is going to sound like an insult to Trump supporters in general, but it's not. What I've noticed about many of them, and really in general, my, my, kind of like my whole issue with politics, is I feel like people just stick to that candidate no matter what. I mean, they could... You know, they could say anything. They could say crazy things. They could say complete and utter nonsense, you know, just totally with no backing of any kind. And people will support them. They'll insult other people. They'll attack other people. One thing I've noticed about you, A, you don't do that. I've never seen you attack anyone um, on Twitter, especially not about politics. But I noticed in Trump support, we had a little dialogue about that. And then something changed. So I'd kind of like to get your, your take first, kind of the before and the after um, and I know my co-host Joe will chime in, you know, at some point after that. But what was it about Donald Trump that you found appealing and, you know, caused you to say at least a couple of weeks ago, you know, I think I'm going to vote for him or I'm leaning in that direction? Just just give us a kind of a take on that. Okay, well, I, I do think that he has the ability to unite, and I think that he is a leader a strong leader or could be an even better leader. But so I think initially he brought some things out. He said some things that I think a lot of people are afraid to say because it's such a politically correct environment. And I applaud him for bringing certain things up when he talked about letting certain people into the country and profiling this map. I have 
my education, a bachelor's degree in criminal justice and a master's degree in criminal justice and work towards my PhD in public policy administration. So I have education and I have some experience with politics to the point that I'd never want to be in politics. Does that make any <laughs> sense? No, absolutely. Totally makes sense. I mean, no. I, I mean, I, I work in the courts. I, I teach in a public school system. I've been around and I'm like, oh my God, I would, I would never want to run for office. Because of the way that there are so many different attacks and people go into your history and all that. So I give all of the candidates a lot of credit for putting themselves out there and being ridiculed by, you know, people on Twitter or in the media. As far as Donald Trump goes, I did think that he had and, – and I'm not sure, you know, I, I – you're right. I have changed certain things. There are certain things I don't like about him, and and they could be deal deal breakers for me. Well, see, that's the thing, and, and I wanted to. And this is not to. I'm not trying to call you out on it, but you made a it's point okay. that he. You made a point that Donald has made about himself over and over and over again, which I completely disagree with, and I think it's it's actually a load of crap that he shovels, as it were. And the truth is that Donald, again, this is the way that I see it. He's not a uniter. I don't think in any way, shape, or form Donald Trump unites people. He's very divisive. His rhetoric is divisive. The things that he, you know, his attacks, which we're going to get into in a minute, because, again, that's what prompted this mm-hmm. whole thing. Because you, 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 know, you and I have gone back and forth on Twitter for, for probably a couple of years now, and I always wanted to have you on the show, but, you know, we, we, things kind of changed and we weren't doing shows as frequently as we did in the past, which is every single week. But I just thought this was the perfect time because we're in the political season now. Um, I think he's very divisive. I think he's very negative. I think that what what bothers me about him, what I actually can't stand about him, is the fact that whenever he gets called out on something, he resorts to insults. He resorts to, to attacking the person. He resorts to calling people names. And, you know, he talks about uniting, and there's nothing unifying about him. He's a very polarizing figure. What I will say, and this is something that I've seen pretty much from, you know, the beginning when he started to pick up steam, and on the flip side of the Democratic side, Bernie Sanders, when I look at these two guys, you know, I look at Bernie, and he's like a, as, as left as you can possibly be, you know, totally out there to me, left field somewhere, but literally as, as left field in the Democratic side that you can possibly be. And, you know, Trump is kind of like in the middle, more moderate, a little bit too liberal for my taste personally. But um, what, they, what they've shown us is that something you touched on, Michelle, is that he said things that people don't want to say, uh, people are afraid to say. But it's also something that the American people want to hear. A lot of Trump's rhetoric touches people and it hits them because it sounds genuine. And maybe, you know, maybe some of it is. Maybe he really believes in some of what he's saying. But a lot of it is just like perfect politics in the sense that he's saying exactly what people want to hear. But something he said at the uh, Super Super Tuesday, last Tuesday, um, it, it got you to, to doubt more. Because I had, again, seen the, the positive um, spin that you were putting on it. And then he said something, and he kind of came across in a way that you didn't like. Now, can you tell us about that? Well, yeah, and let me just clarify. When I say uniter or unifier, I agree with you that he's very divisive as well. So, and I think you can be both. I do think he, I do think that he could bring groups together, but I may not like the way he goes about that. 
So I I don't disagree with you that he does seem to be um, divisive as well, and that's one of the things that is a little bit scary. And and in in answer to your question, what I don't like, and I'll be very honest, I don't like the name-calling. I don't mind. Like, I used to be way more uptight about this kind of thing. I'm perfectly fine with, you know, family guy kind of humor when it's on family right. guy. Do you know? And I'm and I'm fine with, you know, if people, you know, in a certain group among friends, they call each other, that look, like Italians or Puerto Ricans or blacks or whites or women, <laughs> whatever. Everybody's got something to say about somebody. And a friend of mine who happens to live in Canada, one time he said to me, he said, listen, if you're going to come up here, he said, make sure you're not uptight about anything because among my friends, we are, we don't have like sense. You know. And I was like, you know what? I'm so, there are certain things that I will never say, you know, and I don't right. like, you know, and there's a, t- I won't even say there's a time and a place. For me, it's just never. For other people, whether it's jokes and comedians and all this stuff. So I've gotten a lot more laid back with what I'm willing to hear because I'm like, all right, well, some people think this is funny. Some people find this. I don't find certain things funny when right. it's someone running for office and to demean somebody to call a man to call Marco Rubio little and to talk about his height maybe I'm crazy but that is so bothersome to me I find that in (laughs) such bad taste and such a terrible example that you're ta- you're not you're not on Saturday Night Live. You're not. It's not a skit here. You're running for office. This is a debate, and you're. Is that the norm? Because I don't. I mean, is, is he going to tell Hillary Clinton? Like, is that going to be like he's going to rip apart her looks? Because if he does that, I have a feeling that's that's. Could you imagine? I mean, can you imagine if he ends up winning the Republican? You know, if if the Republicans accept him, he ends up going up against Hillary Clinton, and imagine if he just starts. What's he going to call her? What's he going to say about her looks? It's not like a cartoon. You're talking about a debate. Is that what you're going to do? Is that how you're going to try to win the office of the highest office in this country? I think that's disgusting. I really do. It bothers me to that someone would do that, and I just think uh, maybe am I wrong? Like, I do think I'm wrong that I'm so bothered by that. Well, I think that you make you make some excellent points, and I think that, you know, what you're saying is really all about contact. And it's true, like, you know, my my wife and I may joke about certain things, or even Joe and I. Joe and I have been friends for almost 20 years. We've known each other a long time. And, you know, I, I, I definitely would say that neither one of us has ever um, – because we have similar senses of humor. I don't think either one of us, either one of us has ever really offended the other. Uh, you know, gone over the line, you know, never crossed the line, you know, in, in, in certain areas. But, you know, you have friends, you say things, but when you're running in a political circle, it's totally different. Let me give you a perfect – this is a perfect segue and a perfect example. Bernie Sanders said something, and I – to me, I don't know what he was thinking. And, you know, I try not to make certain things a big deal, and, you know, I'm a conservative, so I look at the left and I look at the the liberal media and, you know, the the liberal left, and, you know, I I just totally oppose to it 100%. But Bernie made a comment that to me was in such poor taste and it was such a bad – I, it almost doesn't make sense that a Democrat would even think about this. And my and the issue is he, he made a comment about mental health. Hillary Clinton was knocking the Republican side, which, you know, rightfully so. It's kind of cartoonish what, what they've become, and a big part of it is Mr. Trump and his idiotic and asinine insulting comments. 
But she was trying to say, basically, look, look at this debate, look at how civil we are, and look at the Republican debate, which, again, is a good point. And then Bernie chimes in there and says, yeah, if I become president, you know, we're going to have a look at mental health and put a lot of money into mental health because, I mean, look at what the Republicans are doing. And basically insinuating that the Republicans have mental health issues. And, again, that maybe you make that comment behind the scenes where nobody hears it. That's not a comment you make at a debate. That's a comment that, you know, mental health is an issue that's really um, – it's a sore spot for a lot of people, and it's important for a lot of people, and it's a very touchy subject. And considering that the Democratic side is usually so politically correct and so on that side, it really caught me off guard that he would say that and, and throw that out there. And he got a lot of negative backlash for it, and rightfully so. I, you know, Joe, I, I don't know what you what you thought about that or if you even heard about that, but I don't know what possessed – considering all the stupidity we've heard on the Republican side, I don't know what possessed Bernie – to make that kind of a comment, and it really backfired on him. And, you know, to Michelle's point, kind of one of those things you shouldn't say, and you kind of keep it behind closed doors. What do you think, sir? I mean, I, I need to start from the beginning here, not the beginning of time with Genesis, but uh, the beginning <laughs> of, of uh, just my, th- my thoughts and beliefs on, on politics. I'm, I'm not a big politics follower, but I'll, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm definitely a conservative, definitely Republican, Michelle and Dave, as you know, uh, where – I feel like the last eight years uh, we've taken a really step backwards, and I'm, I'm really against people that are enti- that feel that they're entitled to certain things. And I feel like right. the middle class is getting squeezed more and more, and it's time for a change. And we we definitely need somebody that is more conservative. And this whole Obamacare has really, I think, screwed up this just this country in general. Um, I don't think it's it was done the right way. I, I had good intentions, but at this point, the reason why I'm I'm a supporter of Trump is because the biggest thing is that he's not going to lobbyists for money. So obviously he's he doesn't have uh, people that are paying him to support him. And then I feel like politicians, all they do is they get money from these lobbyists, they they get elected, and then they celebrate for maybe a year or so, and then they're worried about re-election. So politicians and politics is just not my style. The reason why I like Trump personally is because again. He's a person that's self-funding himself, and um, if he didn't really believe in some that he could make a positive change, I don't think that he would be running and spending all these millions of dollars. I think he's a overall a successful businessman, and I think he wants to um, hopefully bring his business acumen into the, the presidency, which would be interesting to have a businessman as the president of the United States. Um, so, Michelle, right. that's where I'm coming from, um, and I, I know that Donald Trump – says stupid things, but I, again, I feel like in terms of, me and Dave watch wrestling, unfortunately, and uh, I feel like the whole <laughs> oh, yeah. Republican side has, it's been like a wrestling uh, a wrestling scene where, like, they talk trash, and I, I, I don't think Trump is as, as um, I don't know, I, I think he try, he's, as much as he's not a politician, he says that he is a politician, because he does say things that get people's attention, and he's very right. bold, and he makes statements, so that that's where I'm coming from, Michelle. And and Dave, to your point about Bernie Sanders, um, I mean, I, I personally think, like most people do on the Republican side, I think he's a socialist more than anything. I don't oh, think he's course. a Democrat. So um, Bernie, I, I I hope he doesn't win the nomination. I, I I'd like to see a Hillary versus a Trump, uh, you know, run for presidency. Um, but to, to your point, I mean, I, I I see where you're coming from, Michelle. I see like you, the reason why. Trump may, you know, may give, may give, leave you a, like a sour taste in your mouth, but I also think that it, it'd be, a, it'd be interesting to see somebody that um, 
although he claims he's a Republican, just to see what he would do in terms of just trying to fix this country as a businessman. Uh, well, it's it's interesting, and that's what I that's where I think he would he could bring he could bring a more moderate, a more middle of the road. That's what I liked about him. Like that's what I, I liked the whole business concept. I liked Mitt Romney, and I actually supported Mitt Romney last election until he chose uh, his running mate. And not that I didn't, I just didn't like who he chose as a running mate. I think I thought he should have chosen a female, a strong female. No disrespect to Paul Ryan, but I see. I think the Republican. I think the thing with being ultra conservative, I'm, I'm, I'm big with states knowing what's best for the states and then limited right. federal involvement. Like, you know, so I, I'm really big with, I'm, but I'm not big with, you know, judgmental on, you know, certain issues. I, I think, you know, freedom of religion and certain things are, are, you know, and also reality. There, There's a certain reality when it comes to certain laws that certain things are legal. I think anyone should not, I don't want to say anyone. Let me correct that. I think that gun ownership should be entitled to those who would be responsible with guns. So I'm more on the Republican side for sure, but I'm just not happy with, and I don't think that the country is ultra conservative. I think the country is more in the middle, either moderate, you know, Republican or conservative Democrat. And I, and I, I like Trump, for that, because I thought that, you know what, we need someone that could bring the two polar opposites together and get us on track. So that's, I liked that about him from a, you know, the way, the way he can run a business or bring that in. That's what I thought Romney would be able to do too. So I don't, I don't want to say that I wouldn't support him if he ends up winning because I, I'm not going to say that, but I'm not going to say right. across the board that, because I'm not sure I'm not comfortable with the way we're talking about sitting with foreign leaders. And I did like when he stood on um, Super Tuesday. Is that Super Tuesday? That's what it's referred to, right? Super Tuesday or whatever. I don't want to say the wrong thing. Okay, so when Trump spoke, right, he, to me, sounded amazing. And I thought, this is why I like him. He definitely can lead, and I love the way he's speaking. And I think he likes winning, and he's used to winning, so he's very powerful. I don't like how he is, though, when he's not in control, and I'm afraid about how he'll be when he has to sit with 12 other people that are just as powerful as he is, maybe even more powerful. But, you know, when you're sitting there and you need to get along with people – he scare it scares me. It definitely scares me that he won't have a hot head and that he won't be a, I'm his the way he is and the way he is quick to shoot off his mouth is a little bit disconcerting to me. Well what gets uh, me uh, what bothers me oh, sorry Joe, real quick, uh, I'll throw it back to you in a second, but what bothers me about him is when he gets challenged on a position he resorts to name calling and if you listen to him, to me I've said this all along He's all style, no substance. You know, he really is like a cartoon character. Joe said wrestling. He's a wrestling promoter. But he's the kind of guy, like you said, when he gets flustered, because what Ted Cruz has done, and even Rubio to a certain extent, they've attacked him on policy. They've attacked him on things that he said, and he really has no rebuttal for it other than kind of fumbling around. And when you when you press him on a question, his answer is always, well, you know, 
there is one specific question that was asked of him in the Republican debate last week where they asked him, you know, you always say that you're going to do this. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. You're going to talk to people. You're going to get people. But can you be specific? And his answer really was he threw out one or two names, and then he went back to the same thing that the question was asking Oh, you know, it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. How are you going to repeal Obamacare? What are you going to do with Obamacare? Oh, we're going to replace it with something much, much better. He finally did come out, you know, with on his website with a plan. But for weeks and weeks and weeks, it was, oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. What about this? Oh, we're, we have a great plan. We have great advisors. But never any substance to it. There's never anything solid, nothing concrete. And like you said, Michelle, when he's not in control, he looks bad. When he says stuff like, oh, we're going to make a wall and we're going to double the wall and Mexico's going to pay for it, that's how, because I'm going to make them. That's asinine. It sounds good on talk radio. It sounds good in wrestling, but it doesn't sound good in real-world politics, you know? And that's what kind of gets me about him is the attitude, you know, his whole idea is like, well, because I said so. That doesn't work. That's scary, and it doesn't work. Joe, what were you going to say? <laughs> I was going to say, uh, like I said, I'm not that big into politics, but I, I watched the full debate last Thursday on uh, Fox News, and uh, I I think I re- yeah I recorded it and I showed my daughter who's in in second grade, and uh, the one the, she's she's a, a Trump supporter now too because I let her I played this one little part I don't know if it was just <laughs> <laughs> I, I she I played the part where he said that if he's elected president he's going to get rid of the Common Core math, and that Common Core math I mean I just for that alone if if Trump got rid of the Common Core math. He's definitely got my vote because that that math is just so confusing right now that uh, me and Sabrina, my daughter, are just like we we have to vote for Trump just for that reason alone. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, I you know and, it's it's oh I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no, I just I see you know again this is why you know Hillary Clinton one thing just I read in her book uh, she said I wouldn't want to participate in negative campaigning but it works so i wonder if they're always smarter you know and that's the whole thing like i think what's hurting trump and i heard him say today one thing i heard him say was people because he has had such a commanding lead people are not going out there and he was saying you know what you have to go out and vote because like consider it as though we're tied like a lot of people now, like let's say Florida or whatever, they're going to think like, oh, I don't need to go out there. He's already going to take it, you know, and so that might hurt him, you know, and uh, it'll be interesting. I mean, I, it'll be interesting to – can I ask you guys a question? If if Trump ends up winning the – and I know, Joe, you said you're a supporter, but if Trump ends up winning the nomination, are you voting for – for the Republican Party, regardless the way they asked on that, you know the the way they asked all the candidates, like you know, if the uh, if Trump ends up winning, or will you support the Republican nominee regardless of who it is? I I know I will because one, they asked all those candidates at the end of the debate last Thursday if they would support Trump, and they said yes. And I I as much as I liked Mitt Romney four years ago or whatever it was, um, I I thought what he did was kind of. Um, kind of a, a a cheap way out, I thought. Like, for him to throw his two cents in and not be running uh, just like these other candidates are running and just to try to get the nomination at the convention, I think he's angling to get the nomination uh, in July, which I think is like a cheap, a cheap way out, to be honest with you, because he's not putting in the hours that these guys are putting in. So the fact that these guys, Cruz, Rubio, Kasich, um, 
all said that they would support Trump if he got the nomination, then I, I definitely would support Trump as the nomination for the uh, for the Republican Party. Well, here's my Rob. my take on it. You know, um, at the beginning, I would have said absolutely hands down. You know, but the more I see of him, the less I like him. My issue becomes this, and it's always my issue. Although Trump might, and I mean might, there's a chance it. You know, I, I I would consider myself like ultra conservative, but I understand what you know what Michelle was saying before about the country, and it's true. You know, getting back to states and whatnot. You know, I'm not in favor, and I've never been in favor of of you know gay marriage. But obviously, it's a law of the land now. My real issue with with that, other than you know, forget forget anything you know, any perspective I may have personally, religious or whatever the case is. My my issue with it was the fact that the federal government took it out of the state's hands. The states should have voted on it. And if the states went down the line and they voted on it, and you know what, hey, which it was always left to the states, if they voted on it, there's nothing you can do about it. I also understand that, you know, the way the world is going, you know, it, things, are, things are changing, whether I agree with them or I like it or not. So you kind of have to be understanding on that. But my issue with my issue with Trump and the reason I tie this in is that, you know, when I look at New Jersey, when I look at the state that I live in and Joe's in, Republicans never win New Jersey. I don't I don't know, maybe Ronald Reagan, maybe, I don't even remember, I'd have to look back in history. But since I since I voted, no Republican has ever won New Jersey or New York. Now, Trump is a native New Yorker and New Jersey is the armpit of America and the armpit of New York. So if any Republican had a chance at winning, Trump would be the only one in any stretch of the imagination that has even the slightest chance of winning either one of these two states. Now, my whole ultra-conservative comment, when you look into Ted Cruz, he's ultra-conservative. Rubio's, you know, less conservative than him, but conservative. These guys, if they got the nomination, let's say, would have absolutely no shot of winning. So if I cast a vote for Donald Trump in New Jersey, or if I cast a vote for Ted Cruz or whoever it is, no one is going to win this state except for maybe Trump. So none, none of the Republican candidates have a shot at winning, so does my vote really count? Really, it doesn't, because the guy that I'm voting for has no shot at winning. So whether I write in Hulk Hogan, which I did one year, or if I write in, you know, Joe Pacino, <laughs> whatever the case is, I yeah, actually did write in Hulk Hogan. I forget what the office was, but I just threw that in there. My you know what's funny, though? That men- that, yeah, but that mentality is what I think Michelle's alluding to, is that when you start feeling that way, and I think that that's going to be the biggest factor is that the, t- the, the the turnout, more than anything, is going to be a huge thing. If you look at the turnout for the Republican Party, it's been huge compared to the Democratic Party. And for that alone, Trump might win the presidency in November because the Republican turnout has been so much greater than the Democrat turnout. No, he's getting right. a lot that's of a Democrats. He's getting a lot of not just Republicans. You know what I mean? He's getting crossover. Yep. Well, when you listen to him, he sounds like a Democrat. He sounds like a Democrat at many points, and he sort of sounds like a he sounds like a super moderate. He, he's a guy who plays to the middle, and you know he he talks like he's already won the nomination, which is a little bit a little bit troubling. But he really does play towards the middle, and you know the whole Planned Parenthood thing, very totally against the Republicans. He's against the Republicans on several issues. But my my thing has always been the flip flopping, you know. But Joe, I get what you're saying. But to me, if I were in a state like Ohio, if I were in a state like Florida, where there's a chance that, that – and there's a good chance the election could go the opposite way of the way that they normally vote. Or, I mean, Joe, you tell me. You've you got a couple of years on me. I can't even think of a time that a Republican has won this state, and the odds are not good anyway. And I get what you're saying. Yeah, go out there and vote, which is why to me I've always thought that it should be the popular vote that should win. It should always be the popular vote. I mean, technically the popular vote – in a certain areas would get you the delegates, but the whole idea of the electoral college to me is just stupid. No other country really does it. It's just nonsense to me. Um, you know, but when you look at it, 
there's that. So I guess at the end of the day, I'll say this much. I, I, as much as I dislike Trump and I dislike him a lot, anything would be better than Hillary or Bernie to me. So I would have to think that, you know, he's, I, I, I would want him to win if, if my choice is between him and Hillary Clinton or him and Bernie Sanders, which is going to be Hillary. Uh, you know, I'd have to support him in that respect, but he's definitely not my, my my choice. And what I was saying about the whole conservative side is, like Michelle mentioned, regardless of how I feel, you know, Cruz is probably too he's too conservative to win. You know, these these guys may be too conservative to win in the in the world that we live in now. So it's kind of like picking the a losing dog, you know, in a race or whatever, or the losing dog in a fight. And that's kind of the thing that that kind of bugs me. But you know, when we look at the whole political spectrum and we look at what Trump has done, you know, th- there's a lot of uncertainty. The whole Mitt Romney thing to me is that he, I, you know, I didn't like Mitt per se. I didn't think he was a great candidate. I did vote for him uh, in the last election. I think the Republicans needed a stronger, um, they needed a stronger candidate, much like in 2004. I thought the Democrats needed a better candidate than John Kerry because they could have, they could have won that election if, Kerry wasn't so horrible, and I think the Republicans could have won against Obama the second time if Mitt wasn't such a, he really wasn't a great candidate, and now he seems to be more fiery and more blustery, and people are saying, where was this Mitt Romney four years ago, and I kind of have to ask myself the same question, Michelle, like, why, why come out now? I, a broker convention wouldn't be a good thing. I, You know what, I I really liked Mitt Romney a lot. I don't like what he did the last couple of weeks. I thought it was lame. I I don't even understand. I'm like, what the what the heck happened? I really liked him. Um, what the end of the election, you had Hurricane Sandy happen, and then you had you know Christie arm in arm with Obama, and I I think that that really messed things up for him a little bit. I'm not saying that's why he lost, but I think Mitt Romney would have won if he ran this this time, and it's a shame that he it's a shame that he didn't stand up two weeks ago and support. Trump, but also try to temper and educate him and pull him behind closed doors and say, listen, you know, I don't know if that went on behind the scenes. I don't know what happened to cause Romney to to stand up and kind of like, you know, shun him because I, did, did you see where you, you know, where Romney, where Trump endorsed him, like, you know, uh, when Romney was running and uh, running and yes. how, how great he, he, you know, he, one thing Romney did say was, you know, he's a great businessman and this and that. It's like, why wouldn't Romney stand up this time and say, listen, you know, Donald Trump has a lot of wonderful qualities and what I'm not happy about. Like, why did he do it in a way that he kind of like made him out like it was the plague? I don't think that was cool. right. I was disappointed in what Romney did. Well, it's very shady. You know, Joe, I remember Joe texting me how angry he was and how bothered he was, but I think it's shady. I think it makes Mitt look bad. You know, I look at Mitt, mm-hmm. and I say this much, he, he looks presidential. He has a look to him like you could see him as, I mean, I told my wife, I said his hair is, is, is still way too black for him to have ever been a, a president. Because when you look at, and this is this to me, is hilarious. <laughs> when you look at the, the Internet memes out there, and the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life is probably this, is, you know, you see Bush when he got elected and then eight years later, Obama, you know, eight years later, and then Bernie Sanders and eight years later, they have a picture of the Crypt Keeper from Tales from the Crypt. And I, <laughs> I think it's awesome. Or a corpse. I mean, Bernie's got to be 125 years old, but that's a whole other story. Have you guys ever seen that? It's literally the I funniest thing I've ever seen. No, he's 74. 74 in, 
in human years or cat years? Because, I mean, this, this guy's <laughs> older than Moses. But the thing that gets me, I look at Mitt, and when he was talking about it last week, I'm like, man, this guy looks like a president. You know, he, he has that look to yeah. him. There's something about Mitt Romney. Yep. He just looks like a, like a presidential, like a statesman. So that's why I think that it, it, it's bad on his part, and I don't think he did a great job. You know, you want to disagree with Trump? Be my guest, you know. And, you know, Ted Cruz has attacked Trump many times for supporting Democrats, <clears throat> supporting this, supporting that. You know, and, and what, what a lot of people do like about uh, the Donald is the fact that you think he can't be bought. But, I mean, he's even said that he's gotten politicians to – he sided with politicians. He's donated money to politicians hey. to get things passed, which is how you do business. So I, I think a lot of a lot of what he is and what people like about him is smoke and mirrors. I think he'll be a lot more liberal than he, he's pretending to be now. And I think people mm-hmm. will be unhappy with him if he becomes president. But at the same time, look at Obama. You know, my dad is a hardcore Democrat. I, I must have been adopted, but – my dad's a hardcore <laughs> Democrat. He can't stand Obama. Hates him. You know, absolutely despises him. Won't vote for him this time. I don't even know if he's voting. You know, this year. But that's the thing. Like you have these people who've been disillusioned and disenfranchised by Obama. But the, but the bad thing is, and I'm sure you guys will agree. And this is why I don't understand people who get so wrapped up in politics. And you know, they go to conventions. Like there's this one person I follow who shall remain nameless. And you know, she has a she has a wife. She's a husband and kids and everything. And all she does 24-7, all the time. And she, she goes to these conventions and stuff. And I just don't know who has the time. I have two little kids. You know, I have all these things in my life that I have to do. And I don't have time to go to conventions and to do this stuff. And I see people doing it like as if at the end of the day, in my opinion, does it really make that big of a difference? Are we If, if Trump is president, if Hillary's president, are we really going to get that big of a difference? I think if Hillary's president and Joe, I'm sure you'll agree to this, we're getting four more years of Obama, but or worse. But at the end of the day, does it really make that much of a difference? Because, you know, with these guys and, you know, women, I guess, in, in this case, what happens? You know, what, what what changes? Not a lot, you know. And to your point earlier, Michelle, about the fact that Mitch should have picked a better running mate than Paul Ryan, to speak of the house now, um, but a female would have been great. A female would have been a great choice. But let me ask you this, Michelle, and even Joe, if you want to chime in. One thing that's troubled me as a, again, conservative, super conservative, is I see all these quote-unquote conservatives back in Trump, and I don't understand the way Sarah Palin, for example, think whatever you want of her, but she's always touted herself as a born-again Christian, you know, ultra-conservative, blah, 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 and then she backs Donald Trump and thinks he's like the greatest thing since sliced bread, Jerry Falwell Jr., Liberty University. Trump is this amazing guy. He's a great guy. It's a religious support for him. When the guy can't pronounce Bible books correctly, he, he, he says he's a strong Christian, which I, I actually <clears throat> laughed out loud at because he himself has said he doesn't ask God for forgiveness because he doesn't feel he needs forgiveness, which is the complete and utter core of what Christianity is, but yet, again, claims to be a strong Christian. Uh, you know, they, they were making fun of him the other day because he was at a church service and he, uh, he thought the donation plate was the offering plate or something like that. You know, he had kind of a mix-up there. But Michelle, and I guess Joe afterwards, how, why do you think he's gotten that vote when he's the complete opposite and has proven his whole life to be the complete opposite of what a you know religious conservative would be? I think he's charismatic, and I think that people are are impressed by the charisma they want to be around it. The same way Bill Clinton 
for whatever reason, seems to be like Teflon, where, you know, so many people seem to forget different things, and they they want to be around him. They want to be like, you know, I just think that of all the candidates there, if Mitt Romney was there, I do not think Trump would be doing as well as he's doing. In fact, I think Mitt would have would win. I really do. I think Mitt had charisma, and Mitt, like you said, looked like he would or could be president, and I think that it's because the other candidates don't have the charisma and don't have that, that, like you don't, like you said, will my vote go where it won't even matter? Well, Sarah Palin probably doesn't want to stand up there with someone that it's not going to matter, you know, and so they just feel like, you know what, if I'm going to be with anyone, I'm going to attach myself to the one who can actually win. Because if I, just like Christie, he's not stupid. You know what? He's got, because at the end of the day, if Trump doesn't win, he's still a powerful businessman with ties right. to Atlantic City. So Christie's not dumb. He couldn't win. He's going to go back and he's going to say, you know what? Just like he did with Christie's, people fault him for being an opportunist. But how dumb is it if he's protecting? And what, you know, if he's solidifying a relationship that may serve him well in the future, either Trump wins, it serves Christy well, Trump loses, it serves Christy well. That's what I think, you know, where Christy's not stupid. And I just think that that's where Sarah Palin, too, Trump wins, serves her well. He loses, serves her well. What does backing any of the people that probably can't win do for her? Probably nothing. I know that may right. sound, you know, may, maybe it doesn't make any sense at all, but that's what I think. No, it does. Yeah. It totally does. But, Michelle, let me ask you this before I get to my comment. Being a big supporter of Mitt Romney like you are, why didn't he um, run for president this, this go-around? What, what's your thought on that? I don't know. I think early on it, it may have been his family, you know, where I don't think his family wanted him to run last time. And he, it takes a lot out of you. He's got kids, grandkids, his kid, you know. I mean, he's really into, like, you know, college football, the racing, the whole thing. And also I think he gave so much and and didn't come out on top where it may have just been like, you know what, are we going to go through this again? From what I remember, it was his, you know, he went to his family and, I could be wrong, but that's what I remember because I, I, I wanted him to run and was very disappointed that he didn't. So I think, though, it had to do with his family just saying, you know what, do we really want to go through this again? And um, that's what I think. I don't I don't know exactly, but that's what I think. I think it had to do with, you know, he's older and he probably is enjoying life. He doesn't need to. Um, he probably felt like, you know what, I gave so much and, do I, I don't know though. I really maybe he also thought that Hillary was a shoe in. You know, I think a lot of people thought that Hillary was was going to have an easier time than she is. So that could be. You know, maybe he just said like, you know what, I'm not going to go up against the first female. I went up against the first black, then I'm going to go up against the first female. Like it's like seriously, it's just not in the cards for me. That that's, you know, and here it is, the year he probably would have, or could very well have won. From a from a female perspective, uh, Hillary running for presidency. Um, for me, uh, uh, tell me if this is being just overly sensitive. But um, wait, you're gi- want- Joe. Joe, you're what? giving us the female perspective. No, I'm asking Michelle for the female perspective. <laughs> I'm, I'm just laying a picture out here. Uh, this is where, um, 
tell me if this is just being stupid or just uh, saying you don't know anything about politics. But to me, I want to have some. Uh, I want to back somebody that has some morals. And where Trump might not have the greatest morals, I think he's he has good business acumen. For for Hillary, um, you know, it's great that a female is running for president. But I also think she chose politics over her family when she didn't leave her husband back when Bill was caught with Monica Lewinsky. You think morals is a big uh, a big factor in in selecting somebody for the presidency? I think the whole world forgot about what happened when Bill Clinton was in the White House, and I think that the majority of people that love Hillary. Just you know, they love Bill, and like they just he gets a free ride. It blows my mind. It it really I'm blown away by. I mean, look, I'm not perfect, and I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily judge somebody for standing by. You know, if you want to stand by your husband when he does certain things or did certain things, but that whole thing is just it's just like wow. And I think she did choose a political career. Again, I'm not judging her for it. It served her well. I mean, she, you know, she ended up becoming senator in the state she wasn't even from, you know, and then she, right. so she's, she's not stupid either. I mean, one thing about Hillary, and I know a lot of people are really angry at her for certain things and think that she did these horrible things and that's all going to play itself out. But, but one thing about her, I saw, I don't know if you've ever seen the, I think it was Frontline. Frontline? Is that it? Frontline? Um, TBS special, Elusive Peace. And it shows where Hillary is involved with peace negotiations with Arafat there and all these top leaders. She literally, and this was not, this was not something that was planned. I mean, this was not scripted. It was, you know, there were things there. I mean, they had cameras there, but I truly believe that this was, you know, you saw her in action. I do think she's, She's, this is her career, and I do think she cares. I really do. She may not. People might not agree with with her on things. And again, the whole Benghazi issue. I mean, all I'm saying is that she she does believe what she's doing is right. Whether or not it's right is a whole other story. But she's that committed, like a workaholic kind of thing. Does that make sense? It does. I think you sound like a politician. You didn't answer my question, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I asked you about morals, and all of a sudden you're talking about the right thing. I, I, I want to know from your... You know, yeah, I think we're... Yeah, but I, I guess my answer is I'm so not perfect, and I find that anyone that is um, morals, you mean as far... Well, see, I can't judge her for that. I mean, she, she's... I don't know. I don't have I don't have an answer. I I... Can I take the next question? Can I pass? Yes. All right. I'll ask you the next you, question. You, why don't you, you tell me? You tell me what you think about it. Well, I, I mean, told I don't you. have I, a female perspective. See, for me, the female perspective is if you're married to someone and they do something like that, there's, you know, who who is anyone to fault anyone for staying in a marriage because so many marriages have people that make mistakes and do things. I mean, I just think that Bill's mistake was like, are you kidding me? But I mean, there are people that have done things far worse. And if someone wants to stand by their husband, I don't, I don't think it's anyone's business other than that person. So I wouldn't judge her for that. Although I don't know if I would have been able to do it. All right. Fair enough. I still didn't Uh, answer your question. I'm sorry. (laughs) 
that's okay. You should run for president. Um, yeah. But, <laughs> but how about this? Let me ask you this question. Uh, just because we're, we're all three of us are pretty much uh, Republicans, uh, in terms of Democrats, am I am I blowing? Am I Am I being over-exaggerating when I say that the, dem- the, the the middle class is being squeezed and we're seeing the end of the uh, the middle class if we continue to, to vote for Democrats who just, you know, support the lower class and they get the, all these programs and me and my wife work our butt off not and we don't qualify for any of these government programs and the rich are rich so they don't need to have government programs. Do you feel like the middle class is being squeezed or do you think that I'm, I'm just uh, being over-dramatic? No, I think you're right. In fact, I think it's annoying. And I've worked within the court systems, and I've seen, I've sat in a volunteer capacity on top of, um, like, on a board that oversees children being taken from their homes. And I've seen, I've seen ridiculousness, like you wouldn't believe, as far as taking advantage of government programs and people being removed from domestic violence homes only to have the children placed with their relative while they can go back to work. I'm it's it's horrible the way the money is wasted and that's why i like trump and i like romney you know where it's like no i think it's i think it's disgusting and i'm with you i mean i'm with you where it's like you know what this is this is crazy this is so this is so absurd that we're working so hard for certain programs that we'll never be recipients of and yet we're the ones that are going to be older and not have any any way to take care of ourselves. It's it's actually scary. Well, the thing, about, right. the thing about politics and the thing about, you know, life in general, I guess, when you look at it from whatever perspective you're looking at it, is like, you know, this is something that gets me, is people, specifically people who vote Democrat, but this is an example of politics. You know, Democrats always play to the lowest common denominator, whether that's, you know, people relying on, on, you know, social programs, welfare, et cetera, et cetera, or even like the middle class. There's nothing middle class about the Democrats. And what I mean is across the board, Republicans and Democrats, all these guys are, and girls are rich. They're rich senators. They're rich congressmen. They're, they're you know, tons of money. Movie I don't even know stars. how Bernie Sanders has – Right. I don't know how Bernie Sanders Rock has as much money. Uh, uh, yeah, per- perfect example. And they'll support Democrats till they're blue in the face, but they don't really do anything for the middle class. The Republicans, at the very least, they try to support the business owners because that's the lifeblood of the economy, and it's very capitalistic, which, again, a big tenet of the Republican uh, faith, quote-unquote, as it were. I feel like in that respect, the Republicans are a little bit more genuine because that does help them. But the Democrats are just playing to people, just pandering to people, you know, to get votes. You talked about Bill Clinton. You talked about how people seem to he's Teflon and people forget everything he did. Totally agree with you on that. And, I mean, I'm a little bit too young to remember. I, I remember all the, the scandals and stuff, but I wasn't really into politics back then. But it, it, it's kind of like the way that people try to talk about now where, the, you know, the GOP is out of touch or – they're, you know, they they don't care about blacks. They don't care about whoever. I mean, people forget that the the Republican Party was exclusively founded on anti-slavery. The guys who started this party were all abolitionists and people who were against slavery. Obviously, Abraham Lincoln being the most famous one, who you know was a Republican. But I mean, that was their whole base. And now you talk about the KKK and you know the Ku Klux Klan and and things that have have kind of t- taken over. You know, and and that going back to Donald, the whole KKK thing. I know people, some people blew it out of proportion, some people undermined it completely. But what bothers me about Trump, and again, and really, I think he's going to get the nomination. So it's just kind of rhetoric, my own rhetoric. You know, that whole David Duke thing, and this is what has always bothered me about Donald. 
he'll say something or he'll half-step something or he'll half-ass it, however you want to put it, and he won't ever give a clear answer. When he was questioned on David Duke, he said, oh, who? Who? David Duke? Oh, who, who is that? I don't know who that is. Oh, you know, what's he talking about? That whole thing about not denouncing the KKK. He had spoken six months earlier, and I saw the article six months earlier than, than Super Tuesday about or whatever it was. He denounced David Duke and didn't said he didn't like him and didn't want his support, knew exactly who he was. And then, you know, 15 years ago, same thing, anti-David Duke. But now all of a sudden he doesn't know who David Duke is. And that, you know, his answer was like, who, wait, what, huh? What are you talking about? I don't know this guy. You know, what, what, what program? You know, what, what group? Stuff like that bothers me. But I go back to politics, and it is what it is. It's just playing to, to that denominator. It's playing to pandering to people to get votes and pandering to people to get their support when at the end of the day they all kind of go in there, get fat and lazy, and don't really do anything, you know. And it's scary. In the country, I think we're sitting on, you know, powder keg, and I don't think things are going to get better, and I don't think that, you know, whoever's in charge, I think that we're, we're kind of going down the wrong road. But at the end of the day, you know, here we are talking about politics and, you know, telling Joe this has been a great spot and, you know, so many great things to talk about. This is by far the most we've ever talked about politics on this show. Um, even like 10, 15 minutes at the most, we're mostly a sports show where we talk mostly sports, obviously, wrestling, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, speaking of all that, Michelle, um, you actually do cover sports a lot. You have your own, you know, you have your own uh, show. So uh, tell us a little bit about that. Well, actually, uh, I'm listening to you guys, and I'm, and I'm first of all, I'm very thankful that you had me on. So thank you. This was the most I've talked about politics <laughs> in a long time, <laughs> so I tend to avoid it. But I did. I actually didn't watch, you know, the debates. I was like, I better watch something so that I know what to. You know, a lot of my followers are interested <laughs> in this. I'm usually talking about sports, so. I do promote a sports talk radio show in Vegas, and that's SportsX Radio that deals with predominantly about sports um, betting. I am on Thursday nights doing a dating show, which we talk about sports. And during football season, I get more involved with um, SNF on deck. But now that football season's over, it's like on a hiatus or whatever. So you can follow me on Twitter at SportsX Michelle, and I basically just promote a lot of other sports shows right now. And then on Thursday nights, I co-host a dating show where I know nothing about dating either. So, <laughs> so it's like kind of fun, you know. We talk as much as I know. And like one thing I will say, as as many years as I went to school, and when I did go, I did not plan on going for a PhD in public policy. I was working in education and nonprofit was suggested to me that I do that. And the more the more classes I took, like Supreme Court landmark, I mean, I do know what I'm talking about to the point that I know that I know so little. I mean, that's the one thing. Like, <laughs> it's scary to me. Like, I'm just like, wow, like, I'm actually, I actually, you know, studied terrorism and I studied this and I took these government classes to the point that, I know that when I watch the debates, I'm like, they're not sharing. So we we do, we definitely should educate ourselves and also, you know, get out there and, and demand a lot from our politicians and, and so that our so that we don't go down the wrong road. Does that, you know, like we can't go down the wrong road. So we have to make sure that we don't. We, do, we definitely do. I'm going to run for office. You guys are going to I, I think. Me I think, yeah, <laughs> I definitely think that you're ready to run for office as I'm hearing I, you uh, prepare. I, I mean, know. If you need, if, 
you need Dave as your vice president, just um, yeah. he's available. I think he's unemployed <laughs> at the it. moment. So. That's it. There you go. <laughs> Michelle, oh maybe you'll get the conservative vote. Michelle, I'm going to throw yes. some pure gold. We call them PG nuggets at you. So just rapid fire. What are your four? Do you have a, a favorite team of all the four main sports? Oh, the Tigers, Detroit Tigers. Okay, so how about basketball? Baseball. Okay. Uh, basketball? I, no, I mean college basketball, Villanova, but I don't have a favorite NBA team really. Memphis sometimes, but that's only because um, some musician I know likes them and I follow him on Twitter. So. <laughs> hey, uh, football? <laughs> I'm um, guessing football, football. The, the Cowboys, I root for the Cowboys because – because I root for America's team to do really well, and I believe in America. Oh, Jesus. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> and uh, yeah. and hockey, I'm guessing it's Love. the Red Wings? No, hockey, it's the Rangers. Oh, God, I'm hanging team. up now. <laughs> <laughs> God, I'm an Islander fan. Yeah, Joe's an Islander fan. I mean, they haven't won anything in 40 years, but that's a whole other story. Oh, no, that's you're you know, an Islander fan? Yeah, oh. unfortunately, yeah. Oh, well, Okay. Well, I know I know the New York Times writer for the Islanders, like Alan Creta. I don't know. He's like I met. I went to yeah, like um yeah, the Islanders. I I don't know many Islanders fans, but nice yeah, to meet you. No, thank you. <laughs> you know, um, in terms of uh, two more PG Nuggets, and I'll throw it to Dave. Um, so you don't follow uh, the NBA, so I won't ask you my NBA question. But for the NCAA March Madness is coming up. Uh, who's going to win the whole thing? Gosh, I would love Villanova to win. Wouldn't that be awesome? I don't know if they will, but yeah, I'm going. Yeah, so I'm I'm going to go with. I'm just going to say, you know, go out on a limb and say, I don't know, maybe Kansas. I'm not sure. I don't know. I have to do a bracket. Sure. You guys all have to yeah, have have me back, and once I look and see who's in there, we definitely will. And my last nugget, uh, PG question or just comment: um, the biggest, one of the biggest quarterbacks of all time, Peyton Manning, retired. Uh, yesterday, I heard a speech that was really good. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on Peyton Manning as a, um, obviously he's a Hall of Famer, but do you think he was one of the best ever, or do you think that he was okay because he didn't really perform in the playoffs? No, playoffs? I think he's one. I, I, playoffs? I think I think he's uh, so liked by so many, and there's a reason for that. So I, I'm going to say I'm not really qualified to say, but people I know who are, would consider him one of the best ever. So that's what I think. Okay. Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? I always love that quote, good. and that's one of the th- one of the things that Joe and I like 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 to do a lot on this show. Michelle is and interrupt each other, which we do all the time. Um, but it's funny you mentioned you know Peyton Manning, obviously one of the greatest of all time. I don't even think that's debatable. It's just crazy to me the way that his career ended. I mean, it's great that he won a Super Bowl. was rooting big time for him to win uh, Super Bowl 50. But he was such a non-factor in the game and such a non-factor in the last year of his career. It's almost ironic that after all those amazing seasons he put up, and, you know, just just a couple years ago when um, the Broncos were in the Super Bowl before, and then, of course, they got absolutely obliterated by the, the Seahawks. I remember that was his greatest statistical year ever, and he looked horrible in the Super Bowl, and they didn't win. And then when he has his worst year of all time, they end up winning, which is great. Um, you know, Peyton is obviously going to go down first out Hall of Famer, et cetera, et cetera. I, I don't know if you can – I don't think you can call him the greatest quarterback of all time simply because of the whole playoff situation. But, you know, as a Giants fan and Peyton being my favorite football player, 
Um, I just think that he has such an amazing career, and, you know, it's nice to see him kind of go out on a high note and stuff, and I'm sure he's going to drink a lot of uh, beer <laughs> and talk to the good Lord because that, that's pretty much all he said at the Super Bowl was that basically he was going to get liquored up and talk to God. That's what I understood about, uh, you know, Peyton at the end of the Super Bowl. But um, listen, Michelle, we really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm always looking for a new Thank co-host. You. So, I mean, it would be great to have you on next week to replace Joe. I uh, just appreciate you taking the time. <laughs> I, I actually yeah, didn't think, you know, have such a long conversation, but definitely interesting, definitely some good stuff. And I mean, we covered so much. It's you're always welcome to come back and um, hopefully again, we'll, we'll hear from you soon. Thanks guys. I had fun. Thank you so much. Thank you. Michelle. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Folks. That was the one and only Michelle. Yeah. Michelle Obama. Surprised you didn't bring that okay. up, considering you were talking about that before. Yeah, Funny is, I just hung up on her. Instead of muting her, I just completely hung up on her, which I don't even. Um, so, sir, I know you got a, you got a couple of nuggets you want to talk about, but let's uh, let's take a short break before we uh, we end the show. Yep. Hey guys, this is actress Sadie Alexandru, and you are listening to Pure Gold. Hey, this is recording artist Sahara Star, and you're listening to Pure Gold. Be sure to check back every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to tune in to the best Internet talk show on the East Coast. Yeah, well, first of all, um, Sahara, best Internet talk show, period, and we're no longer at 6 p.m. Remember when we used to do the show at 6 p.m., sir? Isn't that crazy how, how, how oh low we've sunk that we used to do a 6 p.m. show, and now we're doing 11 p.m. When, with literally Michelle was the only listener we had tonight? Yeah, and um, as always, it's always out of our homes, and I can't find the clip. Out of your homes? Out of your homes. Of course, sir. You know what's funny? There it is. So whenever and we, out of your homes? Yeah. My wife will actually, whenever in conversation something comes up out of your home, she always goes, out of your homes? Like, it's it's hilarious. She does this terrible Mike Francesa impersonation, but I just wanted to throw it out there, sir. So what, nice. else, what else is on the docket since we covered so much with Michelle Obama? I mean, Michelle Sports. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, we talked about Peyton Manning, so that's good. But uh, in in wrestling world, uh, we're still about a month away from WrestleMania uh, 32, which is in the stadium of, I guess, Michelle's favorite home team, the Dallas Cowboys. Which that 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 was that was nauseating to hear that too. Um, but oh, you know, th- but the storylines to me um, are not progressing, and now they have this uh, network, I guess, uh, network show uh, special this Saturday called Roadblock. And they're they're leading you to believe that maybe Triple H is going to lose a title to Dean Ambrose because Roman Reigns is not might not be ready for WrestleMania. Things are up in the air, but uh, you know the biggest storyline between Kane and Shane McMahon to me was not further developed Kane. at all. Actually, Kane? did I say did I say Kane? I thought Shane. Yes, I said, you did. Uh, I didn't know that Kane uh, took Undertaker's place. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I meant Shane. I mean now I, I, now Shane has a chance to win, sir. <laughs> I gotta say though, like you said, this this build up to this pay per view, the biggest pay per view of the year, has been probably the worst build up for any WrestleMania that I could think of. Oh, I totally agree. I, I don't. I was actually thinking about the at the beginning. I don't even think it's it's. There's any doubt that this is the worst built WrestleMania pay per view I can ever think of. You know, I remember the hype for WrestleMania 20. I remember the hype for every WrestleMania, big time. You know, 21, 22, et cetera, et cetera, 25. This is awful. I just love the 25th anniversary of WrestleMania happening 24 years after it started. But that's a whole other story. 
Um, I mean, this, this pay per view looks terrible. It looks like it's gonna. There's it's completely uninspired. I honestly don't know what they're thinking. I don't know if they have a plan. Doesn't seem like they do. There's such a complete and utter lack of logic in, in the stories. I mean, you know, last time we had a show two weeks ago, we were complaining about how Triple H had never wasn't going to defend the title. At least he's defending the title at Roadblock. I'm just wondering if after Roadblock they're going to have a Snake Eyes pay per view, a Duke pay per view, a Flint pay per view, you know, and just GI Joe pay per view and have The Rock, or, you know, appear as Roadblock since that that's who we played in the GI Joe movies. But I just I look at this card and I just don't understand it. Last night, you know, big story of course was. Uh, AJ Styles getting betrayed by Chris Jericho, who's had more heel turns than anyone except for Kane. You know, he's up there. Right. Um, you, you talk about lacking logic. You talk about making no sense. To me, I'd have no problem with this story if it had been drawn out over three, four months. I mean, literally six months. But this whole, you know, they've already fought three times. Great matches. They're, they're teaming up. Their BFFs almost won the tag titles last night. If it wasn't for the fact that the, the Jericho heel turn had been spoiled for me by somebody on Twitter, I would have thought, wow, it looks like they're actually going to win these titles. Um, I mean, they looked great. You know, it was a great match. There was a couple of amazing offensive maneuvers by AJ, who I love on so many levels, but he's so unique as compared to the rest of the characters and the people in the WWE. I love it. But that whole turning on him, losing the match, it, it just now they're going to fight for a fourth time at WrestleMania. I mean, it just makes no sense, sir. If you could have dragged out their partnership for longer, but they basically teamed up like three matches, and now they're enemies again. Like, just no logic whatsoever, sir. Yep, no logic. And speaking of no logic, we, we touched upon this two weeks ago, but the fact that Sting headlines the Hall of Fame this year, and then to put the Godfather, who's like everything against what Sting believes in, because, you know... The whole um, father. Thing is highly Christian, and to have like the Godfather be inducted. He's just like Donald Trump. He's a strong Christian, yeah. like Donald Trump. Yeah, I'm wondering why JBL, like somebody in Texas, hasn't been in, like uh, put into this class, and uh, you know a couple other people. Like I, I still don't understand how like demolition for a tag team. I know the Freebirds deserve to be in there. Here but, comes the you know, axe, and here comes <laughs> the smasher. Listen, it took the Freebirds so long to get in. They've got another thirty, forty years before they even consider. Demolition, who was just a Road Warriors knockoff, by the way. Yeah, yet the Godfather gets in like, uh, I don't know, it doesn't make any sense. Like well, most things the about thing, WWE. The thing, with the, the thing with the Hall of Fame is that we we realize this now. It's really just the Hall of whoever is on Vince's good side. It's just, hey, let me put in guys who I like. Because the, the whole, people have made, not, have made this comment. There is no actual physical Hall of Fame. There should be one. I mean, how great would that be to go look at old title belts and plaques and pictures, videotape? I mean, I, it would make the most sense doing it in, in either Connecticut or New York, you know, because of the home base of WWE. But yeah. the whole celebrity wing, how is there a wing when there's no actual physical location? I mean, you know, the, the Godfather the Godfather getting in, to me it's not as bad as Coco Beware and but you know, on a flip side, it may actually be worse than Coco Beware because Coco had a pretty long career in the WWF at the time, and The Godfather was only around for a few years. But he played different characters. Charles Wright had a great, you know, had a good career. But I mean, Hall of Fame, really? Totally yeah. not Hall of Fame worthy. Totally not somebody who should have even thought about being in the Hall of Fame. Um, and they just throw in whoever they want, and it really it, it kills it, sir. It absolutely kills it for me, and it makes no sense at this point. And they just throw random sloppy jalopy people in there. Just awful, so absolutely awful. You know, t- tying in one last wrestling nugget before I get to my last 
um, nugget on my docket. Um, you mentioned that it was my birthday, my 45th birthday, minus five years, because I've uh, minus six years. Well, you, actually, wait, I'm, I'm, you turn. <laughs> it's good to know, first of all, you don't know how old you are, and you can't count. So I just want to throw that out there. That's a sign of old age, by the way. It, yeah, it, it really is. But anyway. Uh, this this wrestling promotion that I've been promoting uh, for June 3rd, um, asking if you want to come see it, and a couple other people, is uh, the reason why I found out that one of my birthday presents was that I will be calling the action for this uh, wrestling event. So um, I'm kind of uh, excited about that. Oh, that that sounds great, sir. I can't wait to not go to that. I mean, I I can't <laughs> wait to totally miss your your uh, the fact that you're calling the action to me is an absolute disgrace and an embarrassment. And I hope that the that the federal what's the name of the federation? Um. Uh, yeah, I'll get back to you on that one. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That that's good. To, uh, oh, that that's encouraging. I hope they fold because putting you in there, absolutely awful, sir. The other uh, other wrestling gift that my wife got me because I, I was a, I guess a wrestling theme this year is that she went to the person that's to have this promotion and he he's actually worked for the WWE uh, many years ago, so he was able to he has got connections for everybody. So when you come to my house for the first time ever. Uh, Dave, you'll see that the, I've got autographs for now of Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, George the Animal Steel, the Dudley Boys, as I'm going through this, Sid Justice, um, Edge, Mick Foley, Ted DiBiase, Triple H, Kevin Nash, Shawn Michaels, Scott Hall, and uh, X-Pac. All uh, different pictures, but they're legit autographs uh, that this this guy got for me for my birthday. So, pretty cool. That is pretty cool, sir. Yeah, so I'll, I'll get to show you that. My last nugget is, uh, let's end it on a Mets nugget, because as we get to, uh, close to spring training, uh, close to uh, opening day, we could talk about Batman versus Superman probably next week, because we'll be a week away from that. Uh, but this whole like, thing about Jason DeGrom getting a raise of about $100,000, he went from, I think, 500000 to $600,000. Yeah, it was 507000 to, to, to 607000 I don't know who Jason DeGrom is. But I'm pretty sure that, uh, he might be related to Jacob DeGrom. Um, I think that Mike was making a point, an interesting point the other day, uh, saying that the Mets should try to get him, like you've talked about, try to sign him to a contract now and kind of cut out a lot of the years of free agency, but also kind of, you know, keep him at a more controlled rate. Because he, he said right. he thinks that DeGrom has the best chance. I agree he has the best chance of being a star. He's the most athletic. He played another position before he was a pitcher. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. I mean, he's just a really good pitcher. You know, Jason Jacob, whatever his name is. Um, but the fact that the Mets gave him a hundred thousand dollar raise, he said he didn't want to sign it, but that's what he's getting paid. I mean, you're telling me the Mets can give him a couple million, make him happy, you know, or sign him to something to get him like a like technically a big payday, but just not as big as he'd like. I mean, he's only making six six hundred thousand. Six hundred seven thousand, which is such a weird number, but I mean, Michael said they should have signed them to like six million or something like that, and just really, wow, this is his first shot at big money, and it would have really kind of gone a long way for the team. But they want to keep him as cheap as possible for as long as possible, which I think is is a mistake, sir. Yeah, and that's what my point was: was that was this like a insult for Jacob Degrom, not Jason, which is probably Jason's brother? Um, was this an insult to give somebody a hundred thousand dollar increase and not just give him the contract that he deserves right now? I mean, I understand that you want to uh, pay him as least as possible, but at that point, if you're not going to give him an increase of a substantial amount, you should have just kept it at five hundred seven. I think it sends a wrong message to give the guy a hundred thousand, which is the minimum that you're allowed to give the guy. Uh, because of how many years he's had in Major League Baseball, I just think that you know 
Jacob might have a bad taste in his mouth now and, and might want to test the free agency market. Uh, I agree with he that. Does become a free agent. I agree with that. I also think Jason has a bad taste in his mouth because they did that to his cousin. But, yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with you on that. I think that it just doesn't make sense to do it. I don't know if I would say not getting the race is better than getting the race, but I do think it kind of sends the wrong message. But, again, it's the Mets, and they're being as cheap as possible. So does that – although, you know, you can't knock them for what they've done in the season, but does that really surprise you? It does. Well, let me ask you, since we've covered almost everything and anything, in terms of just basketball, do you think that the Golden State Warriors will will beat the Chicago Bulls record of 72-10? Uh, and 10? I hope not. Yeah, I love the Bulls. Um, I love Jordan. Um, you know, Tony Kukoc, Steve Kerr, Horace Grant, Scottie Pippen. I mean, you're talking just one of the greatest teams of all time. You know, obviously it's the, the two different, you know, three-peats. But, um, you know, when we talk about the, the Bulls and their 72 wins, uh, they're close. They have a they have a great shot at it. But uh, you're, you're definitely the basketball guy here when it comes to that. Um, what do you think, sir? I mean, I'm a politician. I'm not going to answer your question. I'm just going to send it back to you. Do you think that they're going to do it? They would have to go 17-3 and three in their last 20 games because there's 20 games left. And I, I feel like that they won't be able to do it just because they will have probably locked up the one seed overall. And I think that those last couple games, I don't think Steve Kerr is going to push the pedal to the metal. Um, so I think they're going to fall short. I think they're actually going to go 71-11. and 11. So they're going to come one game short of the record. I just think it's so hard to do. <laughs> What? <laughs> no, I think it's great that you would pick exactly one game less. That's typical, JV. Yeah. Typical. And, Dave, just before we end the show, I just want to let you know that Roadblock is this Saturday, so if you want to come over and watch it with me, you're more than welcome. Are you actually going to watch it? Yeah, let's watch it. I mean, why not? Have fun. I'm trying to think what's going on Saturday. You know, is it Saturday? Yeah, it's Saturday night. Oh, it's not Sunday. Okay, yeah. You know, uh, let me get back to you on that. There, you know, there may be a chance. I definitely want to go to your house, and I want to yeah. absolutely wreck it. You know, because that's my whole uh, blow up your bathroom, multiple bathrooms. I don't definitely. even know how many you have. I want to put definitely. you through that that glass case with the belts. I mean, it def both of them. I just, you know, it'd be nice to see the new uh, the new pads there. Um, and I will yeah. definitely just make sure you text me and remind me because I I really I'm always thinking Sunday night. But uh, is Brock going to be on the card? Is he wrestling Bray Wyatt? He's fine. Yep, he's fine. Bray Wyatt. Yep. Should be interesting. Um, I just, I think I might be more interested in a roadblock because it's named after a famous GI Joe than uh, WrestleMania. So that's <laughs> the truth. Oh, oh there you speaking go. of that, we we never really touched on the whole Shane McMahon thing last night. First of all, I gotta go say ahead. I think it's amazing how Shane sweats so much. I mean, you watch him; he's constantly wiping sweat from his forehead. It's just so yep. interesting, and and it just baffles me like he's nervous. But aside from that, I mean, this this story has no logic at all in any way, shape, or form, and I just don't understand. You tell me this is a SummerSlam match, love it. A Royal Rumble match, love it. Uh, any any other pay-per-view, but WrestleMania, it just doesn't make sense. And Taker coming out last week saying what he said, it's just, this story is completely devoid of logic, and I know, I want you to share with the audience, what's, before we close, what's your biggest complaint about that story. I know there's one specific thing you've brought up many times. I, I just don't know how The Undertaker, who I'm pretty sure is a face right now, is supposed to go and do Vince's dirty work. And what I what really irks me besides that is the fact that they flip-flop or they 
they they change their wording here and there. It's like Shane McMahon, if he beats Undertaker, not only should he be given the whole company, but he should be given like a $5 million raise because being the Undertaker at WrestleMania is nearly impossible. It took Brock Lesnar right. to beat the streak. So the whole fact that they say that Shane McMahon will get control of Raw and nothing else, I, I, I think that they do a big disservice to their other shows like SmackDown, NXT, and obviously their network pay-per-views. Uh, the fact that they, they won't come out and fully say that if Shane McMahon wins, he gets total control of the WWE, that's the end of the authority, that's the end of Vince McMahon, and let him run the, the show for a couple years or let him run the company for a couple years, to me, baffles my mind, and I just hope... I sincerely hope they do not go down the road of a brand extension again because we saw how much of a failure that was. Right. Well, WWE, the thing that gets me is that I feel like the WWE just doesn't know what they're doing. You know, to be honest with you, I feel like they're lost. I feel like they just kind of throw things out there. They don't use any logic in any other matches a lot of times, and it just makes no sense. I mean, explain to me how your boy, and I guess they're trying to sell him, him being injured, but, you, but this is WrestleMania, sir, and you, the, one of the number one contenders, a.k.a. Roman Reigns, is nowhere to be found. How does that even happen? Like, honestly, how? Unless he's legitimately hurt and they, he just he can't be put on TV. I don't know. But don't you think it's terrible that Shane is going up against The Undertaker at WrestleMania where it's almost nearly impossible to beat The Undertaker and he only gets control for all? I mean, I don't understand that part of it. Yeah, I don't understand either. I mean, he's going to get control of Raw, which essentially is control of the company, so SmackDown is garbage. Absolutely garbage. That's what that means. Yeah, I guess that's what that means. <laughs> I don't get it, sir. Absolutely don't get it. Um, it makes well, no sense, but I know that's a huge sticking point for you. It, it, it really is, and hopefully if we do uh, fund this uh, this show for another year or so, uh, we could definitely expand upon next week, but if not, uh, it's been nice knowing you, and uh, take care, Spike, you're here. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure we'll never we'll never speak again after this. Sir, uh, it's a pleasure. Yours, of course. You are the uh, the worst of the worst. I uh, thank you so much, folks. Listening, go possibly for the last time. 180. We can even get 200 shows. That, that's how that's how you know broken we are. We we haven't had a fourth or fifth anniversary yet. I can barely get guests. I had to pay Michelle a lot of money to even come on the show. So you know, again, thanks to her. Thank you, the two of you who are listening to you know for tuning in. Don't check puregoldpg.com because it doesn't exist temporarily. So hopefully we'll be back next week. And like Joe said, folks, take care and spike your hair. Woo, woo, woo. You know it all. By the way, I've been trying to get Nikki Boyer. I think Nikki said she was going through some health issues. We've been talking. I've been trying to get her on for the past few weeks, and hopefully we'll be able to to do that there. What's the name of your show? Uh, Pure Gold. Pure Gold. Yes, sir. I got two words for you. Please stink. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me that's not great, sir. <laughs> the time we're waiting for so out. perfect. <laughs> Folks, have a good evening. Woo. Good night. Good night, uh, sir. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.